All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I'm talking to you from Queens, the borough of Queens, New York City. This is the fifth day of October 2021. I always like to thank you for listening and encourage you to continue sending along whatever comments and questions you have about this show, uh, things that might be talked about. If you have some other ideas, feel free to share them with us. So we're always glad to hear from our listeners. And I, I do want to invite you uh, to tell your friends about this show as well. Uh, but it's questions for Taylor at gmail.com to uh, share your thoughts, ideas, questions, whatever ideas you have. Pass them on to us. We'd like to hear from you. We also want to thank our sponsors to make me a show uh, economically viable. Our sponsors for this week, Novo Resources, El Oro Resources, Hannon Metals, Labrador Gold Corp., Lion One Metals, SK Mining Corp., and Firefox Gold. I've titled today's show, Can Cryptocurrencies Be Backed by Gold? Frank Holmes, Michael Hudson, and Chen Lin are my guests this week. The last time we talked with Frank Holmes, he suggested that China is leading the world towards a cryptocurrency that would be backed by gold. But do we really want or need a cryptocurrency, whether or not backed by gold? If the Chinese virtual currency is engineered to remove all freedoms and liberties from every human being by government or wherever you were, you, with respect to where you go, what you buy, or what you were allowed to believe, by contrast, gold has served as the most fair, egalitarian, pro-free market money ever used by humankind. Well, gold systems have in the past helped to slow down government theft by way of inflation. Is there any reason to think Chinese government, or any government for that matter, would allow a gold-backed monetary system to lead to a free market capitalist system that would, at the same time, allow the population to believe anything other than what the governments desired them to believe? Of course, there is a little doubt about where this is all heading, and this is towards, in my view, a one-world government without borders. We are indeed starting to see that play out in the United States, where the Biden administration is encouraging the entire world to come and live in America and, of course, vote Democrat. In any event, getting back to gold, what would be the purpose of China, for example, backing its digital yuan with gold? Well, since Frank suggested that was the direction China is heading, I hope to address that topic with him. Uh, as well as questions about a very profitable company he runs named Hive Blockchain Technologies. That that company trades on the NASDAQ at around a little under $3 a share right now. Hive's business is to mine Ethereum and Bitcoin. What would be the purpose then, um, I'm wondering, uh, of China backing a digital 
yuan by gold. Those those are some of the issues we want to talk to Frank about, as well as getting into understanding a little more about his company. Uh, in just a few minutes, I'll be talking to Michael Hudson of Hand and Metals. That's a company that is onto a very large sedimentary-hosted copper-silver discovery in Peru, and we will get an update from Michael regarding the company's progress after our first commercial break. I know they recently came out with some surface assays that were really spectacular. Uh, and as Quentin Henning has talked about on this show, those um, sedimentary-hosted structures run for many miles. Uh, it is a potentially a world-class discovery, so we'll look forward to hearing from Michael right after a commercial break. But right now, I'm happy to tell you that Chen Lin is with me to share some of his thoughts uh, about the markets. And uh, it's always good to have Chen with us. So you should go to ChenPix.com, ChenPix.com, to sign up for his newsletter, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? Thanks for joining me, Chen. Thank you, Jay. Glad to be here. It's always good to have you with me. And, um, well, just you just heard my comments uh, leading up to the discussion of Frank Holmes later this uh, today's show. What are your thoughts uh, these days about China um, moving towards a digital currency? I don't know if you have any thoughts about that, but if not, what's going on in China these days? We're hearing a lot about energy shortages. Uh, of course, the, um, uh, the the real estate uh, issue where um, a, a big company is, is having problems uh, paying its bills and so forth. But tell us what your thoughts are about China these days. Yeah, just quickly, uh, I think China is trying to go evolve to a digital currency. Uh, basically, the idea is bypass the SWIFT system that's, uh, you know, dominated by the United States, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. controlled by the United States. I think that's uh-huh. the idea. I'm not sure they can back by gold. They did not enough gold to back it up. And again, Chinese, I send you the, the chart, Chinese debt also going through the roof. So uh, I don't think they can back by gold, but they want to go digital. Okay, so... Uh, on, on the other hand, China right now get into uh, this um, multiple front have a crisis. Uh, one is the real estate. Real estate is Evergrande. Actually, I talk about that before everybody uh, in my metals investment forum presentation, and at that at that time already started to crashing. Right? So it halted trading. Uh, this uh, last the Monday, you know, that two days ago in Hong Kong. So that led to the crash of the market yesterday in the United States. And now it seems to be bouncing back now. Today have a big bounce back. But mm-hmm. so that's one issue. Second mm-hmm. is that China is having an energy crunch right now. Uh, there's a rolling blackout for the Chinese, about half of China, right? Most of the factories were told they can only have electricity one day a week oh. in China, even like oh. in Guangdong, even not just northeast, even Guangdong. There's multiple reasons. And, you know, their excuse is that China has reached the carbon, you know, limit. <laughs> they cannot generate more electricity. I think it's a BS. It's most likely multiple reasons. You have the shoulder season. Renewable energy is very weak. Solar is weak. You know, the... Uh, the wind is weak, uh, hydro is weak, so so there's actual demand, and then coal prices are so high, LNG prices are so high, so it's a lose money for those um, companies to generate electricity. So they just want the government to step in and pay the bill, mm-hmm. to subsidize. So I think that's probably the reason. Uh, right now, China is under it has this holiday, national holiday for a week. So we have to see it next week when they come back from the holiday, uh, what's going to happen. I think they probably government probably will do something to resolve this uh, energy crisis. In the meantime, 
the shipping rate from China to the United States has been dropping like a rock in the past few days because no, oh, you know, uh-huh. factories are shutting down, right? So uh, it's good and not coming to the United States. So we could have an empty shelf in Christmas. So the advice is if you want the Christmas gift, you better buy it now and start waiting for the Christmas. Very interesting. But this sounds a little bit like it could be the repercussions, though, of the the greening of this world. I mean, coal prices are very high. Why? It's not as if there's a lack of coal in the world. Uh, we're not allowed to produce coal, of course, anymore, I guess. Um, what about, yeah. I guess, other other sources? So is this really impacting the supply chain then, I guess, in a major way? I mean, I thought it was the docks, the, the people working on the docks to unload the ships and that sort of thing. Uh, or is it a, a several different several different factors, I suppose? Right, there's a multiple from the start with the natural gas price in Europe. I think Russian probably play with this. It's uh, Nord Stream two, right? Russian didn't did, may in, intentionally hold back some of natural gas that caused the spike of the natural gas uh, price in Europe. That's where uh-huh. it started, and now we have natural gas price in the United States also. Mm-hmm. And then they, they jump, they rose so high. All the people who short natural gas. Have a, huh. They're getting margin calls, right? So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so same thing for coal. It's, it's like a rush to this, uh, um, for, for this energy-related. So, so we, if we have a cold winter, watch out. Mm-hmm. Oil and natural gas, everything will be very expensive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the, 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 for investors, one thing to look for, for obviously, within is um, energy play, right? So I know even yesterday, the market was down. Only thing goes up was energy. You know, when I see on my, my, on my screen, mm-hmm. that, oh, that my energy is holding up. Are doing well, so mm-hmm. uh, that, that that that's a trade. And unfortunately, it's a negative for gold mining because all your price go high. The operating costs for the gold miners are going mm-hmm. higher, so that that's mm-hmm. a negative for, for the mm-hmm. gold mining. So. Oh, what about gold itself, though, Chen? Before I ask you about one of your favorite biotechs, how do you see gold playing out? This year yet? I, I, I see gold right now, it's a battling. Uh, right now, key area at 1750 to 1775, and if it can go up and down, but before the job number, I think the job number this week will be will decide uh, the near term position uh, direction. I'm still, as I said, I said for a few months, I'm waiting for the tapering announcement at the end of the year and tax loss selling. I think that's probably a great opportunity to buy gold miner. But it's, right now, there's still already some gold miners so undervalued you can start buying, like a Santara, mm-hmm. you know, some, many, some, many others. But, you know, mm-hmm. uh, well, we probably don't have time to discuss. But they're mm-hmm. so cheap, and it's really down to the toilet already, even use the, the current valuation. Yeah, I know. It's, uh, but meantime, though, you're seeing an opportunity in the biotechs, and uh, they've been down most of the year, but now you're, they're looking up. And one in particular, uh, symbol SNPX. Tell us about that one. Yeah, this is this one I recommended in my newsletter about uh, two weeks ago. It's slightly lower price today. I should have a big jump because there's an article about that. Uh, it's Alzheimer, Alzheimer, and it's one of the few Alzheimer's uh, drug that's in phase two. I mean, we know like Alzheimer, most of the drug, most of the trial failed. They actually in phase two, and then they're sponsored by NIH, which is the National Institute of Health. NIH don't write a check for nothing. They have to have seen their prior phase two has a very good chance of success, and actually they are the only 
drop candidate actually can reverse Alzheimer and significantly reverse Alzheimer. So you, you look at the cassava, SAVA, right? That, that stock is the $2.5 billion. They're phase two reduce, uh, you know, the uh, Alzheimer, you know, reduce the uh, Alzheimer's significance by three points. But this one, we already have six points in the prior trial. So if this phase two will be successful, this can be huge. The market cap only $60 million, right? $10 stock. Even today, after the big run, $10 stock is $5 cash. And the NIH is sponsored the trial, which means they are not burning money. So by the time mid-next year the, the data come out, they still have $5. So the downside is quite limited, and the upside is huge. If you think if it can go to multi-billion dollar with a possible readout, that's um, almost a hundred backer, right? <laughs> did I did I did I hear you correctly, Chen? That the market cap is what did you say, sixty million? Right now, today, even with today, big jump is sixty million. Only when sixty million. It was Only much lower. Mm. Uh huh. And they're and in what phase now? Thirty million have a thirty-two million cash. So have five dollar and change in cash. And then they're not burning the cash because our government, NIH, saw their phase two. They said, okay, we will sponsor you this coming trial. So NIH is writing the check for the trial. So that's very significant. Not many companies can claim that. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've been watching this one and, um, you know, have a few shares myself. It's a very, very exciting story. Uh, What about uh, Amaris and some of those others that you've been really on top of? Oh yeah, I'm still I'm quite excited. Still very excited about the Amherst. You know, Amherst uh, they have um, uh, quite a few things coming up. Uh, they already confirmed in the recent presentation they have a 400 million revenue this year, and then they're going to one billion in two to three years. Okay, so it's a fast growing company. You know, those technology companies once they reach a threshold, their cost is almost fixed. Once their yeah. revenue reaches threshold, it's free cash flow. That's like a Google, like all the other their investors, in, including Google, Apple, you know, the prior investor, Clem Perkins, right? So if they can reach those goals, I mean, they, you know, the, the shorts, they were desperately hanging on for their short, their shorting position, they came over, right? Once they start generating free cash flow. So this, this year is a very crucial year. And then they have many exciting technology coming out. Uh, many exciting, they, they can, for example, they can grow marijuana or use a tank. Actually, this week, China have a big news. That, oh, we can grow star, starch from, with the carbon dioxide in the tank. Oh. They think that they're very happy about that. But I think Amherst probably can do it a few years ago because, you know, just marijuana is more valuable. <laughs> you know, they already have the technology. So... Um, no, it's, it's very exciting. Well, what what what, what China Chinese was very excited because you can grow in the space travel. You can do that in space travel, right? You can have a mm-hmm. carbon dioxide from the human being, and then you grow, become a starch, and become oxygen. Out. But that's uh, very very far. Yeah, but, that's far but out again, of the future. Those are the sure. future future of a technology. Man, we may not grow corn anymore, not grow soybean anymore. We will, you know, use those the synthetic way. It's uh, 10, 20 times more efficient. And, uh, you know, everything was mass-produced. It's amazing. But anyway, they, 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 that's, that's where Amherst is, right? It's a cutting-edge yeah. area, actually, cutting-edge area competition between United States and China. It's one of the, the key areas uh, mm-hmm. that uh, actually Amherst is having the lead. It's world leader in this area. Well, I think, though, what is important, Chen, is that people have to be patient. 
in the early days, but the patience can pay off as you name some of those other high-tech stocks. I can remember getting all excited about them and then not seeing them go anywhere for a while and giving up on them and walking away, only to be very sorry years later. So I think sometimes patience makes sense, and uh, you just have to keep on top of the story. And one of the ways, folks, you can do that is by signing up for Chen's letter. What is Chen buying? What is Chen selling? He keeps his subscribers uh, posted on the developments of these companies that he's honed in on. Chen, that's all the time we have now, but thank you so much for sharing your uh, your wisdom, your ideas. Uh, always very exciting and interesting. Thanks for joining us again. Thank you, Jay. All right, folks, we do have to go to break now, but uh, Michael Hudson will be with me to talk about Han and Metals. Very exciting story there, a new discovery. Um, they're starting to do some work on it and confirm that uh, what a lot of us thought was there to start with a couple of years back. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Michael Hudson right after the break. Firefox Gold is actively exploring in Finland, where recent discoveries have sparked a new gold rush. Firefox controls a major portion of a prospective gold belt, giving the company a distinct advantage for exploration and strategic partnerships. The company's strong international leadership team, combined with its Finland-based exploration specialists, will put Firefox on the crest of the coming wave of gold discoveries. Firefox Gold trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol FFOX. Go to firefoxgold.com to subscribe for updates. SK Mining Corp. Trading under the symbol ESK on the TSX Venture and ESKYF on the OTCQB is a mineral exploration company targeting precious metals, rich VMS deposits in the heart of British Columbia's Golden Triangle. SK Mining controls a prospective land package totaling 130,000 acres, which lies across a geologic trend that once hosted the prolific SK Creek Mine. With a world-renowned geological team, funding in place, and shareholders such as Eric Sprott, SK Mining is on the cusp of a world-class discovery. Go to skmining.com to subscribe for updates. Voice America Business Network the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really ple- pleased to have with me once again Michael Hudson. He is the uh, he is a director, he's a CEO, well, he actually is the chairman of Hand and Metals. He's a very experienced and very successful exploration geologist. He's pretty much been all around the world, if you look at his resume, and a very successful exploration geologist. And Hand and Metals trades in Toronto under the symbol H-A-N. You can buy it in the U.S. as I have under the symbol H-A-N-N-F. 91.2 million shares outstanding. I saw it trading recently at around 30 cents in Canadian money. That gives us a market cap of, I guess, around 27 million in Canadian dollars. Um, I think most investors are unaware of Hannon's potential. 
you know, as it's exploring a gigantic sedimentary hosted copper silver project in Peru, uh, known as the San Martin Project, the targets are absolutely huge, which is why Hannon did well, I think, uh, to attract a world-class Japanese company as a joint venture partner on some of those projects that it's working on, Jogmec, a feather in Hannon's cap to have a, a company like Jogmec come along and then endorse and work with them. Uh, I personally believe that Hannon can become one of the most successful junior exploration stories that I cover out of about 60 or 70 different names, uh, and that's why I'm really pleased to welcome Michael uh, to this show again. Thanks for joining me, Michael. Jay, thank you for the very kind introduction. It takes time, and, and Lord knows uh, this pandemic has gotten in the way to a certain extent, but it looks now like you're coming through with some very nice numbers. We just recently, uh, this past week, reported on some uh, on some surface samples. Very, very encouraging for sure. I think maybe we just start out, for the sake of listeners that might not know your story yet, just a real quick summary of the geology and the kind of a deposit that it is. It's, it's sort of unique compared to the copper deposits that I've looked at in the past. Talk about that and uh, and maybe your joint venture with Jogmec, and then we can go on to uh, what you're doing now and some of your recent uh, exploration successes there. Very good, Jay. Uh, well, I mean, just to take it back, I, I've been in Peru working since uh, the, the mid-90s when really Peru started to open up again for commercial uh, exploration. That's one of the world's most endowed places, the second most prolific copper producer on earth. Uh, and, you know, I, I, lo I love Peru. I've seen the opportunities. Uh, and in about 2015, I sat down with a colleague and said, you know, let's really try and make a difference. And I suppose I was in my, you know, my uh, mid to late 40s then. And, and uh, you know, it, 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 it really is in, in exploration hard to make a discovery. So why not try and make something as big as possible mm -hmm. rather than dealing with something small? So we, we, we thought about it and, and, of course, we went back to a place we, we knew well in Peru. And, and what we're looking for is a sedimentary hosted copper style. And, and these are the second most prolific forms of copper on earth and uh, and the best examples of the Kufushifa in Europe and the the Central African Copper Belt, which uh, are, are huge world class systems, and and we had some indications from data and information that these systems certainly existed in the back arc, so over the other side of the Andes, if you like, mm -hmm. from the Pacific side. So, and um, and that that idea. Uh, was uh, was sort of ruminated and thought on and, and ground became free in 2019, 2020. So it took a while to, to, to be patient, to wait for that ground to come free. And then we went in boots and all and, and staked huge areas. Um, and, and then COVID came along and really slowed us down for a year. But the initial indications we had from 2019-20 indicated that we were dealing with a system that was very large that certainly hadn't been looked at in detail, and when I say very large, I, I, I'll talk in metrics. So I apologise, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but uh, 100 to 120 kilometres wow. long of exploration permits we've <laughs> we've staked, and and we found co copper in context with the with the same uh, geographic or geological horizon. So so these these deposits form like pancakes, and and these pancakes are very large, and. And so that, that was where we got to sort of when COVID hit and there was a lot of excitement. And, and at that stage, actually, just before COVID hit, uh, you mentioned Jogmec. Jogmec mm -hmm. is actually the Japanese government and it's the arm of the Japanese government that 
looks for future supply of metal uh-huh. for Japan and Japan industry. Mm-hmm. So they were able to fit in a, a, a visit just before COVID hit and, and they saw the opportunity. And so last year we negotiated a deal with them where they can spend up to 35 million US dollars to earn 75% uh, in, in the project. Uh, and the key points are the, the highest risk at time is, of course, now while we're going through this earlier stage exploration, mm-hmm. they've got to spend eight million US dollars over a four year period. We're one and a half years into that now, um, basically. And, uh, and, and we've got, you know, a, a team of 10 to 20 people at site at any one point, geologists, people permitting. Uh, looking for this for this copper over such a large area, and we've narrowed down our search. And I've, I think I've said to you before that our challenge is now to find the continuity. We've demonstrated copper can exist over very large areas. We need to find the continuity that ultimately will be the drill scale continuity. Now we're going through all that permitting for drilling now, and and literally just about to put our environmental impact assessment or the the DIA. Mm-hmm. Uh, which it's called in Peru, uh, to the authorities over the next uh, three to four weeks. And, and uh, that, that really is the step that allows us to drill. But uh, I, I still think that will take a little bit of time. You know, Peru's not the fastest jurisdiction, so we're talking probably Q1, Q2 next year mm-hmm. to drill. But the work that we've done uh, over the, the most recent past has really demonstrated the geological opportunity and and validated the thesis that we went in there for originally. So so geologically, we've demonstrated that it is the model stacks up that look very much like the Kufashifa. So we found a shale bearing horizon that we've been able to map over you know, kilometres now in in trenches that, um, you know, we dug through the forest floor and uh-huh. we found this same level. So we can join, you know, we know we're dealing with one pancake that, uh-huh. that extends over much larger distances. Um, above that, we've done run soils in the jungle and, and really run some very um, modern and um, high-tech um, portable XRFs in the field that uh, make it very rapid, cheap and and uh, very fit for purpose for exploring in these challenging environments. And and then we're just uh, finishing up flying a, a half a million dollar Canadian LIDAR survey, which is, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, which is, again, high tech. Um, everyone's got one of these on their iPhone 12s or 13s now, a LIDAR camera. But we fly these things from the air about six or seven hundred metres up and it just bombards the, the land with laser beams, basically, that are just basically light. But there's so many beams it can see through to the jungle floor and help us map the geology um, in an area that has very, very little outcrop. You know, we're dealing with uh, mm-hmm. when the rock coming to surface is, uh, you know, way less than 1%. So we've got to use all these techniques to, to demonstrate that continuity in the, the soils, the LIDAR, the, the geological mapping and the trenching mm-hmm. will all lead to, well, have all led to de-risking of the project and ultimately uh, where we need to drill and 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 um, you know in a minute we can touch on the social aspects which are just as exciting I think mm-hmm. in terms of how we've been able to work with the locals but that that's sort of the background and mm-hmm. where we've got to this this is not just a, a prospect that uh, we're we're excited about we've got a whole basin that we've tied we've tied up we're one of the top ten. Uh, landholders in Peru, and and then and then importantly, the Jogmec deal only covers one third of that landholding. You came out with some 
news just, I think, September 20th, perhaps, uh, just recently anyway, and, and some very nice surface samples that you talked about. I think it was on uh, a section of the Tabaluso East section, I believe, that is a joint venture part of your project uh, with JogMec. Can you talk to us a little bit about those results? I'm looking at something like 5.3% copper and 83 grams of silver over 1.6 meters, uh, you know, channel sample, I guess it was. Is, is this the kind of uh, grades that you might anticipate being fairly common? Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is early stage exploration, and, and we haven't uh, uh, put a drill hole into the property yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is all very forward-looking. But uh, uh, but those grades and thicknesses absolutely work very well, Jay. They're, 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 they're very compelling uh, in, a, in a technical sense. And I suppose the easy way to think about it is that um, KGHM that, that runs uh, the... Uh, the Kufa-Schiefer deposits in in uh, in Europe uh-huh. uh, mines at an average thickness of um, of one and a half meters to five and a half meters thickness. So uh, that thickness range works, and then their average copper grades one and a half percent copper and 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 mm-hmm. forty eight or nine grams per ton silver. So mm-hmm. so we're certainly exceeding what they're mining in Poland. Well, we'll know, I guess, the thickness once you start drilling, and you think that might happen about first quarter of next year, I guess. Yes, first quarter, um, moving into the second quarter, just uh, around that transition. It's, it's a fairly uh, set timetable we're on now. Um, we've got to go through a public participation with the, with the local people um, over the coming weeks. And, and, and I'd just like to touch briefly on that, that, that these areas, how, how can you know, uh, I talk about an area with my colleague in 2015 and why hadn't it been found before? Well, these areas are harder exploration, so we're moving into the high jungle, so it's mm-hmm. obviously blindfolded to geologists before. There was some indications out there, but not many people had done work because it was really uh, quite a, a, a dangerous area back in the 90s to go when I first went to Peru, where, you know, I had full-on... Uh, protection to go into those areas when I started looking uh, for different styles of deposits there. So it's really opened up that populations have moved in uh, relatively, and um, and but they don't know what exploration and mining is really. The oil and gas industry have been working out there for some time. So we've worked very, very hard. We've got dedicated full-time social team who goes in before any geologists and talks to the locals. And basically, if they want us there, we'll work with them. If they don't, we, we, we won't mm-hmm. um, go into these areas. And, and we've been emphatically welcomed in, in these areas in which we're working, especially in Tabalosos um, and where we're looking to drill. So, so it's, it's um, a very modern approach of uh, involving stakeholders from, from the first instance that we've, we've undertaken. And we know and understand the country well, and and I, you know, we've got a, a full Peruvian team apart from one person uh, who who's my partner in this business, uh, Lars Dalenbori, who comes in and out of Sweden, and he um, he's just returned from Peru over the last uh, few days, actually. So it's it's being run by Peruvians, and 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 they understand their culture, and 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 we're doing things better as an industry, and and I can say proudly that uh, that's one of the big. Uh, ways we've opened up this this project as well by by working closely with the local people. Yeah, I think if people should go to your website and get a sort of a sense of of what you're doing in that regard, because on the I think on the homepage there's a picture of the people that are actually working on the ground there, and all the people that have some interest in this should benefit and profit from it. Knowing you as I do, and in your team, that you will really want to try to help those people as much as 
as anything. And uh, the spirit with which you approach uh, your projects, I think, is commendable. That's the way it should be and needs to be, I think. How well funded are you? We're pretty well funded, Jay, is uh, the, the, the case. Um, I can't always say that in the junior yeah. exploration business, but we've got Jogmec fully funding the San Martin project, which is where we've just talked about today. We have two-thirds of our ground uh, outside the, the Jogmec joint venture, uh, mm-hmm. and we're doing earlier stage work there. You'll, you'll start to see more data come from those areas as ground is granted, and, in fact, we've got uh, copper gold porphyry potential a few oh. hundred kilometres south where we've uh-huh. got a, a thousand square kilometres that uh, perhaps we can talk about next time in more detail and we'll have more information into the market. But uh, those exploration projects in our own right are, are relatively low cost and we've got something like 2.7 or 8 million Canadian dollars in the bank um, today which which will well and truly see the 700 uh, thousand dollar program that we'll mm-hmm. spend on on our own projects over the next year and, and remembering we're spending two million us dollars uh this year on on the jogmec jv so uh-huh. so a lot a lot of data a lot of people a lot of a lot of uh de-risking of the projects um and and a healthy treasury as a consequence of the way it's all been structured very good and so i guess uh, we just keep our eyes uh, open for well when the drilling starts uh, q1 q2 of next year there may be some more news i suppose from time to time any surface uh, samples perhaps or, or what might we be looking for in the near term yeah everyone wants to see drilling and that will obviously <laughs> be <laughs> be yeah. the, the the big uh, move forward but that last uh, release you talked about on the 20th september was really geologically very fundamental mm-hmm. to confirming the model and the continuity. And, and those people who really understand these systems were, were very excited around that news. So I can say that uh, they're incremental maybe in the eyes of most people, but um, but um, we're, we're working to de-risk this and, and, and demonstrate the, the scale at all levels still. It's, um, you know, it's one of those rare opportunities in the space, in my career, where you can find a, basically a new, a new copper district. Oh, it certainly would be. It's it's huge. It's absolutely enormous. Well, I wish you all the best. And I, I mean, it's a thirty cent stock for goodness sakes in Canadian money, so it's less than that in U.S. money. Minuscule market cap, and obviously, if you're onto something big, well, people that follow this industry know that that people like you who make gigantic discoveries can make a lot of money for for investors. So I think you have a shot, Michael. And I'm really glad that you could share this with us once again. We'll look to keep up with this story as it continues to progress. Thank you so much for being with us again. Thanks, Jay. All right, folks. So we do have to go to break now, but don't go away because Frank Holmes will be with me right after the break to talk about China's plans for a gold-backed digital currency. Should be an interesting discussion, so don't go away. We'll be right back with Frank Holmes. Lion One Metals is focused on high-grade gold in Fiji, led by legendary Canadian financier Walter Barakoff. Lion One is permitted for production and drilling for discoveries in one of the most exciting high-grade gold projects in the prolific South Pacific Ring of Fire. Lion One trades on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol LIO and on the OTCQX under the symbol LOMLF. Go to our website at liononemetals.com for more information about Lion One Metals and high-grade gold in Fiji. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening.
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. I'm really pleased to have Frank Holmes with me once again. Frank has been on this show a number of times, and he is a constant guest on mainstream media outlets. So um, you, you probably all know Frank Holmes very well. But you should, however, go to usfunds.com, usfunds.com, to learn of all the financial opportunities that are provided under the U.S. Funds umbrella that Frank heads up. Frank is also the interim executive chairman of Hive Blockchains Technologies. That's a company that mines... Uh, both Bitcoin and Ethereum, and it trades in Canada and the United States under the symbol HIVE. It's a very interesting company and one that I hope um, you all have a chance to uh, to check out. I certainly want to learn more about it, uh, which is why I'm really happy to say that Frank is with us. Thanks for joining me today, Frank. It's great to be with you, Jay. You know, um, I saw Ray Dalio the other day. Ray Dalio was interviewed on CNBC uh, and he said that the government will kill cryptocurrencies because they can and because they won't want to give up their monopolistic control over, over money. At least that was what he implied. And China recently did crack down on cryptocurrencies. And so I'm, I'd like to ask you as chairman of, of a company that produces cryptocurrencies, how has that changed your perspective of the cryptocurrency markets and industry? Well, first of all, it's much bigger than, than government thinks. And, and I think that that's a, a well-known statement that actually came out today. I think George Soros was on CNBC saying uh, the government has to find a way to manage and be with it, and uh, they can't just unilaterally come out and stop it because it's decentralized. Uh-huh. The, the simple part for your listeners to understand what Bitcoin is, Bitcoin uh, it validates a technology which is called triple entry accounting because of its transparency. It was created in 1991 by the telecom companies to move money. And nothing happened to it until someone, someone known as Satoshi came along and created Bitcoin as a private asset, private property. Everything that Bitcoin has to do with it is about private property. Cash in your, in your bank account is the bank's cash. Until you get it in your pocket, then it's yours. It's in bearer form. And the same thing with gold jewelry. If you have 24-karat gold jewelry in many places in the world, it is money. It's, it's what you, people use in a crisis. So they, these are assets that, that, are, that the crypto space is captivated with, and they have 13,000 validators. You know, there's not 300 countries that are basically validating in an open architecture around the world every transaction on that, that, that ecosystem. And when you look at Ethereum, you have 30,000. Hmm. Uh, and, and so this is and, uh, the big thing, Jay. You and I have spoken at these conferences, Jay. Mm-hmm. They're free, okay? They're free. Mm-hmm. The crypto conferences, they're $1,500, and they're sold out. They're scalpers. <laughs> if, if you're a whale, I'm an institutional investor. You know what it costs uh, to be a whale if you want to pay a ticket for at these crypto events? 15000 no <laughs> 15000 Jay. And they're yeah. sold out. 
So you can go to London, sold out. You go to Singapore, sold out. You go to Miami, sold out. Go to New York, sold out. So wherever you go in the world, this is really important to recognize. It's decentralized, and it's a global phenomenon that people are trying to protect private property rights. Mm-hmm. And the biggest political battle is the more left or socialist a government, the more they are anti-crypto because they want to control all financial assets or even mm-hmm. just deemed a financial asset. Mm-hmm. That's so, where you get this, this riffraff, and, and it is digital gold uh, is what it really is. And, and so there's this phenomenon going on, but it's growing when PayPal comes out and gives fractals, so you can buy a fractal of a Bitcoin. And uh-huh. those kids that got their $1,400 last year from President Trump and rolled it into Bitcoin and PayPal, it went to worth $12,000. Uh-huh. Uh, so, so guess what? I, let, let, let me finish this important yeah. for your listeners, because they're older like me and you. Yeah. We're old guys. Yep. I wear a Bitcoin shirt, or I wear an Ethereum shirt, and I get compliments all over the place traveling, etc. I wear gold gold, and they don't know what I'm talking about. Maybe it's old age. You know, like, this is important for people to grasp there's something bigger going on. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, 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 I've never saw this with gold, even in the heydays of the junior mm-hmm. mining and back in three, four, five, six, in that time period. So this, this idea of private property and this battle that's going on is very important Whereas a lot of kids, the difference are that these kids are buying crypto to not just stay ahead of inflation, but to make money. Mm-hmm. And the gold world is about devaluing slowly your paper value, purchasing power, so it's more of a defensive positioning. The young kids, they don't, they're, they're not consumed with playing defense, they're consumed with playing offense. Mm-hmm. And that is what it offers. So mm-hmm. That's where your, your battle is. The Chinese... Mm-hmm themselves were wanted to the Saudis to take uh, renminbi for their oil. And they said, mm-hmm. no, we only want U.S. dollars. And, mm-hmm. and U.S. dollars, U.S. has a big military, and U.S. Is also has more important, has a lot of gold in Fort Knox. And, and so what's happened is that China continues to consume gold. Uh, and, and I think that this is an important part to, like, to legitimize the renminbi. And they're also fast-tracking digital money. They're much further ahead than the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they want to so that everything will be in a digital format. Mm-hmm. And, and so that will say, well, that, that digital money is convertible into Remembi, and Remembi's got gold behind it. That's the sort of tectonic plate shift when you look at the macro scenes of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but as, as a digital Bitcoin, they do not want any competition with their digital money. They have nothing, you know, they just don't want, they don't, and that's what you see out of Europe, uh, that mindset. And then you see that um, a lot of sort of, they call FUD, it's a really important word for your listeners, F-U-D, and it it stands for basically false information or uncertainty and doubt. So propaganda tries to drop innuendos that are doubting, innuendos that are uncertain, or just out and out lies false information. And a lot of that crypto ecosystem, they will quickly go after any statements by government or someone that's making some other statement is that's a FUD statement. And what we hear is that uh, all these criminals are using Bitcoin, etc. But it's actually de minimis compared to dollars and euros uh, mm-hmm. that are used for, for illegal trade. 
Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I think it's part of that whole FUD to try to discredit it. But in that light, it continues to grow, and it continues to have a bigger and broader audience. So if there's something big happening... Mm-hmm. Well, the something big, Frank, would be the, the you know private property rights, which you know we Americans at least have believed is a God-given right. Uh, we've earned the property. We should own it. It should be ours. At the same time, you have increasing amounts of socialism. So my question to you is, how does Mr. Soros... And his socialists get a get a get a hold of this. Is it is it to circumvent circumvent Bitcoin by doing something like you're suggesting with the uh, Chinese yuan that would be backed by by gold? Do you think that's what he has in mind, possibly? Possibly, and um, but no one really is going to trust them. Uh, mm. You know, the hardest part for a lot of those places they don't have a religion, a cultural religion. The religion is communism. That's religion, mm-hmm. and uh, and so they end up worshiping money, worshiping money more than anything else. Where mm-hmm. as you go into America, Canada, you go to Europe and, and, and many places, there's a value system and a cultural value system. It doesn't happen in that in that Chinese ecosystem. Uh-huh. They, they uh-huh. don't want any religion, and then, and yeah. and so it's interesting to see what they did. They believe that capitalism is just a stepping stone to go back to communism. So they use mm. it as a way to get caught up with infrastructure, etc., uh, and steal the innovation from America and other places. And now they want to revert back to communism. Uh, I don't know exactly where that where that path is going, but I think there's too many educated people in America. And they go back, and I don't think they're going to accept it uh, mm-hmm. to the degree that they're trying to push it. And uh, but that's their problem. Our mm-hmm. problem as as money managers is we've got to try to stay ahead. And how can I stay ahead of all this money printing? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and clearly, uh, gold has been is is over the past twenty one years, eighty uh, percent of the time, except for this year, gold has been positive, mm-hmm. uh, and some years better than others. So there, it, it just doesn't make rational sense that we would have such negative real interest rates uh, and where we are that gold. Gold is the greatest right now, big bounce trade, and, and mm-hmm. how the G7 finance ministers are working as a cartel and, and manipulating the price of gold in some form or fashion mm-hmm. um, with a repo agreement with some this country or that country. I have no idea, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. but there's something going on because they were, if they were able to get a flat tax of 15% corporate tax in those seven countries against all those corporations, which has mm-hmm. always been a way to stifle innovation, that's a very socialistic mindset. Mm-hmm. They were able to do that. So therefore, to continue their money uh, printing mechanism, they have to make sure that gold doesn't take off. Right, that's a exactly. Way. So the issue is, is that um, the, they have the futures market, and the futures market is highly leveraged. Is that the mechanism? I really don't know, but I do believe that there's something there that, that is uh, very peculiar for me um, because the love trade continues to be very robust. Uh, gold going to China and India, uh, going to it's still highly correlated to GDP per capita. Um, and, uh, and I think if we take a look where inflation is not going away, I've been saying that for for 18 months now, if you look at uh, uh, the real inflation is a point a month right now. For sure, and yeah. So, 
if you can borrow and buy good assets, gold mining companies as a whole, the 100 stocks we follow, they're the, they're the, many of them are showing high free cash flow yields. So they're oh, much sure. wiser. They're, they're not taking big risks on mergers and acquisitions, uh, and therefore they're not replacing those production reserves as fast. They have to be much more cautious. Uh, and so I just think we're, we're due here that some, there'll be a reset button, and we're going to see gold 2,000, 2,500, 3,000. Uh, yeah. Based on negative real interest rates, that's where it could easily, and it, I think it could easily run to. You think we see higher prices before the end of the year for yeah, gold? I think in this fourth, yeah, I think in this quarter we do. Um, I don't think they're going to. I, I look at the PMIs. I write about them every month, and the PMIs are, 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 are getting sloppy. Um, if you look at China, which is so key, it's rolled over. Um, if you look at some of the European countries, it's rolled over. So that just means the money printing stays strong. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have supply shockers happening all over that are triggering inflation. Uh, inflation is going to fall through and all the, um, because of oil and gas or where it is, uh, it's going to flow through into the, into the, it's going to make inflation sustainable. It's not just a temporary phenomena. Uh, these higher energy prices, because everything we touch, paint, plastic, uh, you name it, as, as some type of an ingredient of oil into it. And so that is just embedded inflation. Mm-hmm. Even coal, even coal has gone through the roof uh, mm-hmm. by shrinking supply of mines uh, because of the green movement. And mm-hmm. then you have higher energy prices. So I, I think that uh, having not having gold at this time, it's one of the great country and trades. Uh, and, and if you can borrow, look at look at real estate in the U.S. was up 19% last year. That's been a great yeah. trade to be long. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and the liquid one is gold. The other one has yeah. been a great trade has been crypto. And yeah. I'm really delighted to share with you because you've been following the Hive story. It's the first yeah. crypto mining company. It only uses green energy. Well, we reported our year-end March uh, uh, 10 days ago, and it's the highest yeah. of all the crypto mining companies. And then we reported this past quarter, uh, the end of June, and uh, we made close to uh, $18 million on $37 million in revenue. Um, yeah. So we are still the most profitable crypto mining company, and we mining Ethereum and Bitcoin and holding, and that means we hold on for dear life. And that's another good point, Jay. These gold mining companies, I've urged them they should be doing what the crypto kids do, hodl. Hold on for your life. Hold That's on. on the long-term trade. Not quickly sell you. If you're a gold producer and you've got free cash flow, well, darn, you think gold's cheap, then stop selling it. Well, this, is, this leads me to a question, Frank, in terms of how you recognize your income. Now, I noticed just to make uh, 43.5 million net income is what you reported last year. And I think, as you just said, 18.6 million for the first quarter of this year. Your year ends uh, March 31st, I guess. So we're in the first quarter of 2022 right now. How do you how do you generate the well? First of all, you do sell some coins. I suppose you have to have some cash flow to meet your expenses, right? Yep. So you do sell some, but you try to hold as much as you can. And you have, I think, I saw a pie chart. You're about two thirds is Ethereum and one third is Bitcoin on your balance sheet. Is that right? More or less. Yeah. Now it's rotating out. That Bitcoin's taking a bigger position. Um, oh. But here's here's what's you know interesting. It's just a good question you ask. We did an ATM, and the ATM is at the market mechanism, and mm-hmm. it basically says that you've got two years to raise a hundred million dollars, and you sell shares whenever you want. 
So mm-hmm. you can do them. And so what we've done is, in particular, earlier this year when Bitcoin and prices were crazy in February, uh, we sold, a, we raised, did raising money. We took that capital and it allowed us to mine and keep all of our coins and not sell. And it also allowed us to buy $60 million worth of new equipment. So now if you look at our balance sheet, uh, from a year ago, we had less than $5 million in Bitcoin and Ethereum assets. Now it's worth over $100 million. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, now, so that, that, that $80 million I think our ATM ended up raising, that went into basically keeping our mining our own coins, and it went into buying $60 million worth of new equipment to upgrade everything. So net-net, the shareholders had greatly benefited because because. That eighty million is worth one hundred and thirty million, I think, uh, as of today. Um, and uh, you, you, so eighty into one hundred and thirty million plus you spend sixty million on new equipment. That's going to last for many more years. So we're in a. It's been a great way to raise capital. Uh, the royalty companies like Wheaton River and Franco Nevada a year ago, mm-hmm. they raised five hundred million dollars in that mechanism. So mm-hmm. they were mm-hmm. able to go and then buy royalties, fund projects, and keep maintaining, increasing their dividend. So I, I think it's a, it's a great way uh, of raising capital. Well, long term, Frank, the, we, we know that uh, Bitcoin has limits to how many can be mined, essentially. What is the long term program for, for Hive? Well, Hive, Hive has, um, it's, it wants to be the premier. Green only, 100% green uh, energy, uh, hydroelectricity or geothermal like mm-hmm. we have in Iceland. Um, we'll go to solar, uh, but otherwise that's how we're focused on. And um, uh, and we want to be able to keep a lot of those assets on the balance sheet. The uh, SEC appears is not going to allow a uh, Bitcoin ETF still, but maybe one that can buy futures market. Uh, so what happens is that um, it's a derivative of a derivative, whereas when you buy Hive, we have those assets on our balance sheet. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we get an audience of people that are reluctant to go to one of these crypto exchanges to buy some Bitcoin or Ethereum or Coinbase. So Hive becomes the proxy because mm-hmm. we hold all those coins and we also mine and make profits from it. Frank, with just a couple of minutes left yet, I noticed this morning you uh, added a person named Diana Briggs, uh, Diana Biggs, uh, to your board, and she is the CEO of Valor Inc. and incoming Chief Strategy Officer of uh, DeFi Technologies. What can you tell us about Diana Biggs and how she fits into uh, Hive's plans as well, a board first member? First of all, she's 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 um, a very smart person that has an engineering degree from uh, McGill University mm-hmm. uh, in Montreal. She, mm-hmm. um, has, she has an American uh, uh, passport also and a uh, European one. She uh, lives in Switzerland, and she is one of the leading early people, an investor in Bitcoin when it was a dollar and Ethereum <laughs> when it was a nickel. <laughs> um, so um, she's, she's, you know, economically pretty smart, pretty, uh, but she was a head of HSBC's Innovation Labs. Uh-huh. And, and uh, so she brings to us that intellectual capital uh, of where the new trends are going, NFTs or whatever it is, is, is going. 
Yeah, it's very interesting. Well, you certainly are doing well. I mean, it's, I see uh, the stock was about $3.02 when I checked on it right before the show today, Frank. And uh, it's certainly um, a very interesting story, and I look forward to keeping up with you on this going forward, that's for sure. Well, thank uh, any any last a, word? You, yeah, yeah, there's a quant guy in, in Matt Caser that does a quant approach based on the Chicago Hold Advisory called Cash Flow Return on Invested Capital and ranks all the stocks in Canada and does by industries and Hive is in the top 10% of all stocks in the country. So, And it's worth about $5 uh, U.S. on his uh, model for highest cash flow returns on capital. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly your growth is really phenomenal. I, I can't imagine it could continue with these rates of speed. But um, you know, I just—it's—it's it's a fascinating story, Frank, and very successful. Your very strong balance sheet, obviously, uh, and uh, we certainly want to keep up with this story and perhaps introduce it to my subscribers as well. So, anyway, thank you. We've uh, at least been able to introduce it to uh, my radio audience. So, thank you very much, uh, Frank, for being well, with us today, and also. You- and just go to usfunds.com if they need more information about our funds. And uh, one last thing, Jay, we didn't talk about mm-hmm. wheels up. Uh, last week, Biden passed a law that basically allows Europeans to fly directly and land here. And uh, all the airlines started picking up uh, $200 million of new money came into Jets ETF, which is interesting. Uh, so there's more positive uh, on ability for people to fly. So there's, there's good news for the economy. Very good news. Thank you very much, Frank. We'll have to leave it go at that. Folks, this is all the time we have. Next week, David Stockman will be with me. Uh, Also, Quentin Henning and Michael Oliver will join me. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Labrador Gold is an exploration company focused on its flagship Kingsway project located in central Newfoundland Gold District. Labrador Gold's first phase drilling program has successfully identified high-grade gold mineralization, including a 3.6-meter intercept, grading 20.6 grams per ton gold, and 1.85 meters, grading 50.38 gram per ton gold. The company has approximately $35 million in the treasury and is led by a world-class team of CEO Roger Moss and technical advisors Sean Ryan and Quentin Henney.